Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Good to have you here today, Bible teacher Clark Covington. Another episode of KJV Cafe. So glad that you could join us here. Man, we are working our way through Genesis. It's been a blessing. Hopefully you got yourself a coffee or something. Have one for me. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm on a coffee diet for today because I could not sleep last night. So uh, I put myself on timeout for the coffee today. So maybe you have one for me. Amen. All right. But I'm, a, I'm, I'm thinking maybe tomorrow I might treat myself. I just need to start getting up at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. And then by the time it's afternoon time, I'm sure it'll wear off. Uh, but uh, anyways, good to be here. Hopefully you're doing well. We're getting into Genesis. We're studying. That's why we have that coffee theme, because it's like being in a coffee shop. You get your notebook open, your Bible open. You got some of that good white noise and stuff. You can kind of just zone in and study. When I was younger, that's what I did all the time. I'd go there to a coffee shop and just sit there for hours on my computer working or studying. And I don't know, I was one of those people, the white noise was positive for me, though I don't know now how I would handle it. Uh, but we are in Genesis 24 through 26. We are wrapping up uh, this section of scripture. And then we are wrapping up, I say the next episode or two, the sixth day, which will also be the end of Genesis chapter one. And so as we look at this from a, um, a larger standpoint, we're a little over 20 episodes into studying Genesis in, in our second season, and we are just wrapping up chapter one pretty much, getting through it. So we're moving right along. We've learned a lot. We've talked a lot about the significance of what's spoken about literally with creation. And so when you look at the book of Genesis, there's a lot of layers to it, right? And it may start with how could, you know, who's it written by, right? Moses, right? This is part of the uh, Mosaic text, right? The Mosaic text. Uh, these are the books of Moses. This is uh, what the, the Pentateuch, what the uh, Jewish individuals use are the five books of Moses, okay? The first five books of the uh, Hebrew Bible, Old Testament. That is typically, I believe, what the what the Jews use uh, as their book. Amen. And and the Jewish, um, the Jewish Bible, if you will, right, called the Torah, as I understand it, is written uh, with these commentaries by rabbis. They call rabbinical or uh, commentary uh, around these. So you have. Um, these books that Moses wrote, uh, the Maser, Masoretic text, that's another way to put it, Masoretic, however you want to put it, you say the books Moses, Moses wrote, um, and we see here a literal account of what God did when he created the world. That right there rubs a lot of people the wrong way, so much so uh, that people refuse to hear it. And so they'll walk into church on Monday or Sunday and they will sit there and sing how they love Jesus and praise God. And Monday morning, they'll walk into a classroom and tell people that the book isn't real. You know, that's not belief. And, you know, if God wants one thing from us, it's simply belief. And that is rank unbelief. 
And so we look at Genesis 1 as true history. In the beginning, God really created the heaven and the earth. If you ever get a chance to go up to Kentucky and see the ark that uh, Brother Ken Ham made from Answers in Genesis, one reason I believe he made that was to show people there, there's a, in, in the book of Genesis, we're going to get to it soon, there is a, a engineering plan. There is a draft of that boat in the book of Genesis that he followed the best he could to actually create it out of actual wood there in Kentucky. And when you stand in front of it, you say, man, this thing is massive. But yeah, I guess every, every creature could, you know, two of every kind. And, and there was a few more of some kinds, but all of them could fit on there and some plants and people, et cetera. Yeah. You know, it's, it's feasible. And that's the point. It's like, God just wants us to believe. And, and that's what we have in Genesis one is just believe if you would, that God really did this. So we're talking about his creation, right? what he made and how he made it on what day he made it, why he did day and night. And, and we're talking about those things in a literal perspective, right? Then the next layer to this is this kind of poetic, theological, I don't know what you want to call it, this deeper perspective or a second layer. Because God is a God of genius. He's he's wonderfully uh, brilliant. Amen. He's the creator of all things. Like, you know, you look at uh, how the stomach works or how, like how the body is able to like take all the nutrients out of food and then get rid of them, right? Uh, it's incredible. Like how, who taught the body to do that? Oh, God did. Amen. How the lungs can pump air and how the trees create air. And all. Who, who did that? God did. You see, he's an intelligent designer, intelligent creator. And we see God uh, intelligently putting a lot of the thematics in the first chapter of Genesis. Things like light and darkness. Things like good and evil, right? Uh, things like um, the reproducing seed, things like the sky, uh, and again, looking up to heaven, things like fish, which we spent a lot of time talking about the last two episodes. So we see that not only do we have the true creation account, but we also have this next layer of themes that we can trace throughout the Bible of light and darkness. What's that? That's Jesus Christ. He is the light. He is righteousness. Darkness, that is death. That is sin. That is a true part of this world. And also we see that God created them both. And that's another thing to keep in mind. People think that like sin crept in, uh, you know, without God aware. God created all of everything we see. The Bible says all things are made by him and for him without him, nothing was made. Amen. I'm going to dig that scripture up and read it real quick. Just as soon as we come back from this break. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. Okay, here it is. I promised it. I got it for you. John 1, 3, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Amen. Uh, Colossians uh, 1, 16 through 17, 17, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him, all things consist. You could go on and on with this. Just understand that Christ made the world. Christ sees everything. Christ created everything. Okay. So if we understand that, then we understand maybe more about what the creator was up to. You know, like when he made 
light and darkness. He was trying to help people understand what sin looks like, right? And what the contrast is. In fact, you know, the Bible talks about not being, un, uh, uh, not being unequally yoked, not having f- the fellowship of light with darkness, right? There's no fellowship there. So maybe God created light and darkness for help, to help us understand what sin is. You know, talking about fish, and maybe God created fish to help us understand this idea of fishing, this understand the idea of fishing for souls, right? Because when you're fishing, you're just casting a line in the water. I know they got fish finders. I know they've got, uh, well, some water is so clear you can see the fish. And even then, we couldn't catch them. I remember Sue and I were on vacation a couple of years ago at a, uh, it was like a natural spring. They turned the campground absolutely beautiful called Willow Tree in Loris, South Carolina. And we were up there, absolutely beautiful place. And it's a spring. I mean, it's like clear as you can see. And the fish in there are huge. And they swim right by you when you're walking in the sand. And Sue and I were trying to take a net or, or, or a line or a lure. We couldn't catch anything. That's bad. It's like you can't catch a fish in a bucket. That's bad. Well, it wasn't a bucket, but it was, it was pretty bad. But maybe God did that so that we understand that, you know what? Most of the times the water isn't clear. Most of the times we can't understand who will be saved. You know, one time we were out knocking on doors when our church was in Krause and we were, and if you know Krause, it's a real small little town. So we just recover in the town, you know, we're just like, let's walk through this town, knock on some doors. And, you know, this is, I think, right before COVID, I want to say. And uh, so we're not going to use COVID as an excuse for people saying they don't want to go. You don't get any response. I mean, everybody's either in another church or they don't want to go or they don't want to be bothered. And there was like the house, the most beat up house. I and mean, there was, must have been, I don't know, pit bulls or some kind of vicious looking dog in the, in the front yard. And, you know, we were just committed to knock on these doors. And that lady walked out and said, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about where to go to church. I, I want to know more. The least likely individual. And how about this? God is more than willing to save her. Amen. God is more than willing to, 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 to absolutely save her from hell in the grave if she simply accepts him and he will make her anew and he doesn't care what kind of house she lives in or what kind of dog she has or anything else. Amen. Not that there's anything wrong with beat up houses and, and vicious dogs, but God don't care. Amen. He loves everyone the same. He desires all to be saved. So as fishermen, we have to have that broad point of view that maybe the water isn't clear. Maybe we can't see the fish clearly to see what we're going to catch, but we need to keep casting in a line, casting in a line. And then if you want to get real technical, and I'll move right on after this, there's a certain way that you fish. There's a certain way that you fish. Sue's uncle had a, a horrible stroke, and his grandson was up there at the hospital, and he's a, he's a big fisherman. He's a high school kid, sweet kid. I've known him since he was real little. I don't know him well, but, you know, I've known of him. You know, he used to be uh, at the same house that CJ and Jenny would go to many years ago for, like, child care. Nathan's his name, and Nathan was telling me all about fishing, like all the technique, all the bait to use, where to go, what time to go. You know, that's a, there's a lot of parallels with evangelism, with how we are to reach the lost. Like I, hold, I heard an old preacher say one time, you keep them how you catch them. You know, if we're all about the carnival atmosphere, if we're all about just trying to have things to bring people in, that won't be effective. We have to bring people in with God's word. So we can't compromise on doctrine to bring people in. We can't, we can't uh, go ahead and just be cool in the world to bring people in. We have to be set apart. We have to follow the playbook God's given us in order to have a fruitful catch. Just as a fisherman, they know. Because again, I know I don't know how to fish. The, fi- the good fishermen, they know. 
Well, you know what bait to use? It didn't surprise me. Another one of Sue's brothers was down at the beach. His son's now in school over there. And he caught himself a big, I think, sheephead fish. He caught himself a big fish. That didn't surprise me one bit. He knows the tools to use. He knows what to do. He knows what not to do. He's a very experienced fisherman. He spent many years fishing. Well, get get this. As we go out, and evangelize. We we know what you know generally what to say, what not to say. We're led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're given discernment. We have an opportunity to be a witness for the Lord honestly and say God is able to save all. He is able and willing to save all, and there's no one too good that doesn't need to be saved. Amen. So, as we look at Genesis, I just want you to think today about how there are these layers to both the true creation account, which is true, And then also these themes that we see throughout Genesis 1 about God's creation. Amen. I mean, for example, Genesis 1 goes through uh, day 1 through 6. Amen. I mean, it really covers the creation, right? In Genesis 2, not to skip ahead too much, uh, but Genesis 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Verse two, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he made. So Genesis one is a perfect picture of God's perfect creation in six days. And then finally, as we're going to get to a little bit later in the book of Genesis, we have to understand that this creation uh, happened before the flood, obviously. And so we know that over time, uh, man lived a long time back then, right? Over time, Sin ran rampant. The world got very, 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 very sinful. Uh, there was no hope for the world, really, uh, beyond Noah and, and his, his wife and his kids and his kids' wives. And so what does he do? Uh, God floods the world. And when God floods the world, the world changes dramatically. Amen. It, it, it's like uh, not necessarily a reset, but it's very different than it was before the flood. And so we're seeing this pre-flood world written about. And if you look at timelines of when Adam was born, or excuse me, yeah, Adam and then like how long he lived and when, when uh, you know, uh, Cain, Abel, and then Seth, et cetera. And you look, they're living 900 years, almost a thousand years. You're living, looking at those timelines, relatives of Noah uh, that would have been able to teach Noah uh, before he was on the ark in the flood were able probably to communicate a ton to him. So we see so much forensic evidence for a true six-day creation. Tune in next time as we get deeper into Genesis. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, God bless, and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, Same place.